0: Hello, and welcome to Meet the Education Researcher. This is a podcast from the Faculty of Education, Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. Hello, my name is Neil Selwyn, and in this episode of Meet the Education Researcher, I'm talking with Jeremy Knox from the University of Edinburgh. Over the past few years Jeremy's carved out a niche as someone who asks really interesting philosophical questions about e-learning and online teaching. So in this conversation we cover Jeremy's research into MOOCs, Massive Open Online Courses, as well as his interest in taking a post-digital perspective on technology and education. So first off I asked Jeremy to explain his intellectual interest in digital education.
1: So I think it's primarily because the field changes quite a lot. I think that makes an interesting topic to study. So one of the courses that I'm teaching at the moment um, is one that I don't always teach, but I I'm, I'm really enjoy it when I do teach it, which is called e-learning and digital cultures. And we, we, we try to frame the sort of history of EdTech in, in three different phases. One where uh, we look at education technology as kind of being obsessed with virtual spaces and virtual identities. And then an era where the interactive web made people very interested in socializing and networking. And that seemed to be the thing that everybody was interested in with digital education. And now we seem to be in a bit of a era where everyone's talking about automated technologies and algorithms and these are the bits of software that are structuring how digital education works so that's only one way of looking at uh, and a very partial way of looking at the history of ed tech. but it points to how i think the field changes quite a lot mm. and i think that makes it interesting there's always something new on the horizon to study and to become interested in and to get excited about
0: so there's always something new but i guess you're always continually playing around with the same questions and the same ideas so i mean Regardless of the different topic, what are the key themes that your work is addressing?
1: I'm quite interested in the kind of human condition, if you like, what what it means to be human. Mm. And for me, that's quite tied to education. Education seems to be this sort of formal process, this formal, central social institution that helps to decide what kind of humans we are. Yeah. In a way, yeah. and um, when technology then comes into that space, it I, it it seems to play quite a powerful role in what those what those decisions turn out to be and, and how we sort of design and frame ourselves and talk about ourselves as human human beings, becoming human through education mediated by technology. So
0: you take a rather philosophical approach towards digital education, which is which is not the norm. So I'm really interested. What does philosophy bring to our understandings of technology and education?
1: So I suppose in, in terms of the value of philosophy, I think it it's it's a way of, of really trying to think deeply about the assumptions that are embedded in the ways that we go about doing education. And um the kind of philosophy that I'm have been most interested in is um posthumanism. And in a way I I probably wouldn't necessarily call that a call that a philosophy by philosophy standards it's i think it's much more of a much more of a theory and it's much more of a, a an area of work that I, I suppose people call studies you know where you're studying gender you're studying women it's a it's a it's a way of reflecting on on um what's happening in uh, w- with the application of those particular ideas so so i suppose coming back to your question um the the way i think that posthumanism is particularly valuable is it questions the assumptions we have about the humans that we think are getting involved in education. Mm. That's the that's the real power of it, I think, is we, we tend to assume that the people that we're educating are, are particular kinds of people and they have particular kinds of abilities. And those abilities are kind of innate. We're born with them, they're natural. And in education, we kind of draw them out and we allow them to achieve what was what was sort of there already and and that that, that we were, were bringing out of our students through education and i think what's interesting about the, the the post-human ideas is it really challenges the idea of what a human is and and so it provides a kind of critical lens, but I think it also provides quite a positive um, way of thinking differently about what what we are and what we can be through education.
0: So in terms of understanding online learning or e-learning, for example, I mean, what, what has post-humanism brought to your understandings of these types of digital education?
1: Well, I think I think online education has always been underpinned by particular ideas that I think have been have been long challenged in other disciplines. So a kind of dualism, say, between mm. body and mind. I think that's something that... You, you still see in a lot of the way that online education is promoted that it's something that we can that can be done anywhere and in any time. So online education is always framed in this very flexible way that seems to take us away from um, the idea that we are that we are embodied. We're always in a time and we're always in a place. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the things that posthumanism part of what it's done is to try and bring back the idea that we that we are embodied. We're not just minds somewhere that are able to connect with an online space and purely learn. We are sort of embodied creatures.
0: And also, I guess, the other set of ideas that you're known for using is the is kind of new materialist approaches, which I guess brings up similar themes and similar connections.
1: Yeah. So so I guess what interests me about those ideas is that um, for, for quite some time, and I think for good reasons in in, in theory, people have tried to talk about culture as something very important in what we do and how we understand things. And part of that, I think, has been education has taken taken that up, that we need to understand, uh, the culture helps us understand how learning happens. Mm. But I think in doing that and, and in really claiming the importance of culture, we, we've sort of lost a little bit about, about matter, about things that are non, non-cultural, things that are non-human. So I, I sort of see materialism as kind of a way to think about how we might bring those things back. Um, in, in, into the frame of, of how we try to understand what's going on. So, n- not in a naturalistic science sort of way, but um, a, a way that tries to understand how culture and, and matter non-human things that are in our educational environments are kind of interconnected how yeah. both those things play together to sort of construct our educational environments and sort of construct us as as learners
0: so i mean let's go to a tangible example of this you started off researching MOOCs, massive open online courses so i mean first off for the uninitiated can you remind us of what MOOCs are and what the hype around them was
1: yeah, so, and, and there certainly w- was a lot of hype, and I guess that's what drew my interest to MOOCs, really, is that it seemed to be this thing on the horizon that everyone was talking about. And, and in a sense, there's been a, a long history of that in education technology, is is a, a new thing comes on the horizon, and this is this is the revolution, this is the dis- disruption that's going to change higher education. And, and MOOCs certainly filled that space in around 2013, 2014 and what was proposed in some spaces at least was, was something quite simple, um, a, a, an online course that attracted um, lots of students, that's, that's where the massive comes from, um, courses that were open and at that time that ostensibly meant free, it meant free access to an online course. Um, and, and something with structure. So before that, there had been quite a big movement for open education, which focused mainly on resources and allowing people to freely access materials online. Whereas I think MOOCs brought in something, a bit more of a structure and brought in teaching and brought in a sort of beginning and an end and an assessment to, uh, to, to open resources.
0: So taking a post-humanist, new materialist approach towards MOOCs, what did you find?
1: So so I, I found quite a lot of things. But I think maybe to, to sum that up, coming back to, to what I think post-humanism is most interestingly, is a kind of critique of humanism. And I think what humanism does is is assume a very particular kind of learner. And I think we saw that really quite clearly in the ways that the MOOC platforms were promoting themselves. So the, the likes of Coursera and edX and the big US-based platforms seemed to be in the ways that they were promoting their, their, their offerings, um, assuming a particular kind of learner, mm-hmm. a learner who could self-direct, who could go into an education program and, and know what they wanted and know how to, to uh, work themselves through a set of resources and, and guide themselves because the way that the courses were set up were, were, were quite sort of tutor light. There wasn't really much concrete contact um, with with a with a um, a teacher, so for me that was one of the real the, the big assumptions is, is around autonomy, and I, I see that as something that's that's um, bled down, if you like, from a from a long adherence to humanism in education. That we we kind of assume that there, there's an innate autonomy within us, and that the, one of the things that education does is sort of bring this out, mm. and. It seemed to me what MOOCs were doing is, in, in, while on the one hand promising this amazing different kind of education that was going to emancipate people and um, provide access to university like never before, actually what they were also doing is assuming that students could really self-direct and platform providers weren't seem, seeming to do much in terms of providing more of that, that teacher support and even that pastoral teacher support that you get into university and that I think actually is a big part of, of helping, helping students to learn.
0: And you've taught on MOOCs, and you still teach on MOOCs?
1: So yeah, we, we, we not, I not only theorised about them and wrote about them, I also decided to take the plunge and, and, and teach some some myself
0: i mean how did you put your theory into practice how did you guess around these issues of student autonomy and student support
1: so it's, it's we did take some of the theory um that i was interested in we certainly did take on in, in the first MOOC we taught called e-learning and digital cultures and i think principally that the main thing we did was try to work with different kinds of contact so certainly at that time what we were seeing in MOOCs was um was a, 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 a real move to have um, teaching resources as videos, li- video lectures from teachers. And that didn't seem to be doing much in terms of contact with teacher or contact amongst learners. So we tried to really um, push different ways of, of having contact with us and having contact amongst the group. So we, we had interactive um, kind of live video sessions rather than Rather than video lectures, so we we staged Google Hangouts regularly throughout the MOOCum, and, and we we encouraged participants to sort of tweet questions in, and and we also did a lot to kind of build in social media spaces right at the beginning of the course and during the course to try and build community amongst the participants. And I think that's another thing that we really saw as quite lacking in in certainly the platform MOOCs of that time is that the real emphasis was on the superstar video lecture from the big name rockstar professor and you know the 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 discussion forum was kind of tagged on at the side and there wasn't much participation so we tried to do a lot of work to, to build interesting social media spaces outside of the platform and interesting other ways of, of allowing students to connect with each other and 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 build their own kind of communities and, and small groups to, to do the learning themselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you've said there's always stuff to keep you interested. So just to finish off then, I mean, what's on the horizon? Are there any ideas that you're beginning to think about just now that might turn into a big scheme of work for the next three, four years? Anything that you're beginning to get fascinated by?
1: I guess it would be um, uh, uh, artificial intelligence and data. I know that's quite a, um, that's something that's written about quite a bit at the moment, but I, I feel that um, it's, at a, it's at a moment where um, it will become a bit more prominent in educational spaces in, in, in the near future. So I think that's something that, that we need to pay attention to. And also I think we need to pay attention to that in an a, a, in international sense. So one of the things I'm particularly interested in at the moment is the development of AI in China and China being a, a really prominent and interesting national context to, to, to study that. So China are not only developing AI specifically for education, but I think interestingly, and this is the bit that maybe isn't commented on so much, they're interestingly um, thinking about education's role in wider AI development in, in a sense, framing the university as this sort of site of power, research power in how AI is developed, where AI is quite um, overtly linked with ideas around new industrial revolutions and and the ways that countries can can develop themselves towards leading positions in, in, in geopolitics. So, so it's for me, that's what's interesting is how AI and then education are tied into these much bigger geopolitical positionings and, and statements. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, huge questions. I think you're going to be a very busy man for the next decade or so. I mean, I hope so. Excellent. It's been great to have a chance to talk about the future of education for once. I mean, thanks ever so much for taking the time out. No problem. Good thanks. Luck.